Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Joanna Raybigger is a leading specialist in writing funding proposals for documentary films, including story development and treatments. She works closely with directors, producers, and production companies. She's also a gifted outreach strategist. Joanna lives in Austin, Texas, and originally hails from London, UK. And Carol, I understand you were you were referred to Joanna as a top grant writer. Yes, she comes highly recommended for her contributions to documentary filmmakers. And thank you, Joanna, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. Yes, we are really thrilled to have a grant writer. This is the one thing everybody wants and they don't know where to find. So we'll get started. The first question is, what makes a good grant writer for motion picture film? Well, I think that's such a good question. Um, because I've I've worked with people who have used other kinds of writers or have tried to do it themselves, and I think it does require a sort of specialized uh, set of skills. I think the first thing is that you need to understand the mechanics of making a film. Um, a lot of the time with grants, you have to spell out to the funder what stage the film is at, so I, you know, in my case, I've worked on films, I've edited, I've, I'm old enough to have edited on um, celluloid on film. Um, so I understand the mechanics, the process. I also understand quite a lot about um, the editing process. Um, and I think with films, when you're trying to um, pitch or promote or propose a film, um, you need to understand how best to present it. And I, I used to work in book publishing, and there it was a little similar because you, you had to really understand, you know, how to put that book in its best light, and you have to be able to do that for film. Um, it's, it's a very, very competitive world, and there are many, many others going for the same grant. Um so I'd say the number one thing is to be able to write in a very visual style, uh, short sentences, um, and to be able to write with a certain degree of emotion because film is you know, all about catharsis and drama and pacing and story and emotion and character. So as good as any issue can be, it's really important for the writer to really feel the story and to convey um, the emotions that go with the film. And, and that's kind of the point of film in so many ways is that it's, it should be moving. Um, so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. 
Well, it's a brilliant answer because uh, we run a film grant here three times a year, and this is the biggest problem I have is that they, filmmakers do not write me a visual description of the film. And when I, I, I give consultations to everyone who applies. If they want it, they can call me and I tell them what's wrong. And I have to say this at least a hundred times during one granting session because they have a great idea. They have a good crew and maybe they've even got some money going, but I don't see the film and I don't feel anything. Even more important is it's first the visual. So as I read, I see, and then I have to feel something. So you hit it on the nose with both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it needs to really kind of jump off the page. It, you need to feel, you know, just as you as you read an article in the newspaper, you you can sort of tell when there's characters in it and they they're engaging you. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's really important. Um, as you say, there are so many great issues out there, um, but it, the filmmaking is not about information. If you were you know, try to present information. There's so many other ways you could do that. You could do it in print. You could do it in a podcast. You could do it on radio. You know, I think that the most important thing is why are you making a film at all? Why do you expect people to sit for, you know, at least 54 minutes <laughs> in the case of, you know, watching PBS and you're on, you know, in the in the most, the least high-stakes situation if you're sitting at home and you, you can turn the television off why are you going to sit there and watch a documentary? Uh, and that has to come across on the page. Absolutely right. Um, it's not about information. That is so well said because sometimes in my grant proposal, I I say you can only send me six pages because it's <laughs> if you can't get it in that, you're never you don't have the story. Mm-hmm. But. What happens is they'll send me all this information about why the film needs to be made, but where's the story of the film? That's mm-hmm. missing. Do you find yeah, that when they... I I do, and I I think it I think it's very much about that that sort of old truth about the contract with the audience. You know, your proposal should show what kind of human being you are. If you're the kind of human being who overloads people with something you're very, very passionate about, that might be quite tedious, <laughs> you know. And it doesn't bode well for your filmmaking style. Um, it's not a, it's not a formula. It's, a, it's a very human form, uh, you know, genre. It's all about being human. Um, so, <laughs> if your, if your proposal is asking too much of the reader. Um, your film may also be asking too much of the viewer. Um, so I think it is, it's all about how you communicate. And let's not forget that you need to seduce people a little bit with, with film. You know, you, you want it to be seductive in some sense. Um, you know, I think writers of fiction and, and certainly filmmakers of narrative films are so much more used to talking in these terms of you know what's the opening hook or how are you going to keep people interested and i think that documentary comes from a slightly muddled place because for a long time people have thought of it as you know the the art form that tells the truth and so some people get quite 
you know, overexcited about their topic and they forget that there's actually, now that there's the internet, there's all kinds of ways of learning about a topic. Um, that, you know, to actually meet another human being and walk in their shoes is sort of much more the point, I think, of most, most documentary films. A number of different ways of making films and there are all different kinds of films and some of them are very rhetorical in the sense that they have an argument and they're sort of thrashing out their argument and that's fine but I think most of the funders that I work with are looking for as you say they're looking for story you know and they want they want to be taken into a place that's new to them where they they discover something where something is revealed that you know sort of adds to adds to their um, sense of how the world works well, I have to agree with you and when I get um, judges, because we have three levels of judging, so we go through a lot of judges, and they say, okay, what's the most important thing? That's <laughs> three important things, story, story, and story. Mm-hmm. And that's it. What's the story? Mm-hmm. It goes back to that movie, Love and Other Strangers, you know, where the guy through the whole mm-hmm. thing, I'm saying, what's the story here? <laughs> and. <laughs> And that's what I feel like when I'm reading grants that are telling me we have to make this because of the water shortage. Okay, fine, I agree. But where's the story? That's the key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you you really are you are really focusing in on the right issues. I tell you what I love about a good doc is when you uh, go and sit down. I'll, I'll take for example hot coffee. You know, I thought, mm-hmm. why, why did they make a doc about an old issue about someone that spilled coffee on themselves? And mm-hmm. All right, but anyway, I want to see it. So, I mean, in the first five minutes, I got the reason why they made the film, but then they opened me up to the whole story about putting caps on lawsuits that you and I never hear about where mm-hmm. someone is awarded $10 million, they're not going to get that. They may get 500000 because every state has a cap of how much law, uh, they can pay. And it went into so many other important issues that I never knew existed that mm-hmm. I was thrilled with the film. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. had they told me all of that stuff... Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have gotten it, but I sure got it in the film. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I mean that kind of um, pacing, and you know, as you as you say, you you went, you weren't the ideal audience. You were obliged, obliging, and you sat down and you watched. But um, that there was something seductive about the, the film, and and then you ended up learning something. So you came away with something um and that's that's what you want to kind of um get across in your proposal that that you are a, an artist um because you're not a journalist this is not journalism um you know it is about being um what the europeans call an auteur um you know and an auteur is is somebody who has a point of view who has a set of ethics and an ethos and who who has not necessarily an axe to grind but has some kind of purpose and you know I think information is still very important because as you say with this film Hot Coffee you you learned something and you were sort of amazed and I love that experience I mean who doesn't love that experience of being kind of 
Oh, Claire, I think we just lost Joanna. Back. Carol, Carol uh, Joanna, yes. are you still with us? Can you still hear me? Yes. We, we lost you somewhere there, but uh, or I did. Oh, okay. Um, well, but we something. Just, why don't Why don't you continue? Because I think I was basically just agreeing with you that we we're all looking for some kind of um, enlightenment, and the proposal should be showing um, that you know your story can reveal itself um in a in a in a way that has a sort of payoff at the end. Yes, and there's more depth to the story than mm-hmm. the the story that's only the beginning of the story and then when you follow it all this more uh there's so much more information that right. affects all of us that has happened right. since then that we should be aware of. And it all started with that one issue. That's why they they put that as the title. That's where it, right. that was the beginning of it. Well, right. how important is it to have a good sample, and what makes a sample good? Yeah, it's very, very important, um, just because things are so competitive that I think it's very important to show your style. Um, you know, one one would hope that you have good production values, and I think one of the most overlooked things is sound. Um, you need to be sure that your sample is going to play um, clearly, that it's going to be um, easy to hear, even on um, Vimeo, which can sometimes have a very low output for volume. Um, You need to understand that funders are extremely busy and they're watching so many different samples. So you have to choose something that has a dramatic axis. Um, which I think anybody who studies film or makes films understands. Um, So I think you need to show... It's a complicated process, and I think uh, Trailer Mechanics, which is by Fernanda Rossi, who's another consultant, um, her book is brilliant. But I think sometimes the sample trailer, often it isn't. Often it's a slice of the film that you're trying to show. Um, and you're probably, on the whole, better off uh, making sure that your sample shows the heart of the film, um, shows something moving. Of course, you can't move somebody if you've only got a 10-minute sample. It's going to be quite hard to get somebody on board and, you know, give them a whole cathartic, you know, thing. Um, so you have to be very careful. And again, it's all about communication. Just think about the other person watching it and how they're feeling. You know how you feel about the characters and the issue, but how is the other person just watching this for 10 minutes going to feel? Are they are they going to be overloaded or are they going to be invited into something? Um, yeah, but I, that's a little bit vague, but I hope that addresses it. I don't think it's formulaic. I think it's case by case. Um, each grant and each funder is different. If you're applying to chicken and egg, uh, it might be very different to, you know, applying to another funder, um, Harry Lorenz. Um, they all want different things and have different expectations. So, well, I, yes, I hope that, yeah. That's a good, yes, that's quite well said. Um, I actually wonder what happens when you submit to a grant and your trailer doesn't play for them. Because I have that happen to me a lot. I would say 10 to 15% of my trailers or even the Vimeo links don't play. Mm 
Mm, that's terrible. I had no idea. I mean, that's, yes, you've got to make sure, just practical things like, as you know, Vimeo link is password, doesn't have a password that's blocking it, um, just really common sense things. Um, yeah, sorry to hear that. That's, that's dreadful. <laughs> yes, it is. And so I just wonder what happens with other grantors. I, I'm sure they have the same problem. Uh, but really, most of the time, they, they will just have to judge it based on the written material. So that lends itself to making sure that your written material is strong enough that it can cover you. Mm-hmm. And and I think ideally, I hear this from ITVS a lot, um, that they, they really do like, most funders, uh, like to see um, some kind of um, unity between the sample, uh, particularly in terms of its style and, and intention, and the written proposal. So I think, you know, you can't do one thing with your proposal and then do another with the sample. They have to be all of the same, you know, cut, cut from the same cloth in some sense. Um, so I think I've been hearing that a lot from funders that, you know, oh, we saw this in your proposal and then we saw your sample and it was something completely different. You know, why was that? And you just, you know. <laughs> so it's really important to think about that. It, it, often a film is so vast and you're in a, an early stage where you yourself as a filmmaker are perhaps even a bit confused about your tone. You know, so when you're applying to a funder, you have to sort of think, okay, at this stage in my project, what am I trying to say? And am I saying it clearly? Or am I confusing the funder? Because if they're confused and they don't quite know what you're saying, they can be very nice about it, but usually they don't have time, you know. So uh, That's quite right. And what happens is on some uh, documentaries, there are so many threads available, and when yeah. you put too many in there, we're not sure what, how you're ever going to get all of that information into 60 or 90 minutes. So uh, being clear on where, what direction you intend to go in. I know those things change, but uh, this is where I love the title, Chicken and Egg, because you can't get the money until you tell us what you're doing or what you think you're going to do. And I have never had a uh, film that we've awarded money to that didn't do better than what they thought they were going to do. Yes, most of them changed, but it only changed for the better. But you have to have that vision. Yes, and and the process of filmmaking is so much about focus, you know, um, and that's a visual term in the first place. So um, you do have to, as the editors say, you know, you do have to sort of drown your babies, not a very nice expression at all actually, but um, you, you, when you're editing you know, you have to throw so much out and, and I'm sure as a funder you've seen films that just simply have too many characters um, you yes. know, and, and very hard to focus on so many people in one story um, so yes, it's, it's just understanding the act of communication with, at every stage um, yeah communication at every stage in New Zealand I spent some time down there and they said when you start editing you have to kill your darlings right I think I just said drown your babies <laughs> I think that's what I meant was kill your darlings which sounds much more thespian um, 
<laughs> well, that means yeah. the same thing, but you have to get rid. And people will say, oh, but you weren't there when we were shooting that this was happening. That No, I wasn't there, and I don't get it, and it doesn't touch me, you know. So you, uh, you really uh, have to get someone like Fernanda, who I truly adore. Mm-hmm. I went to her first conference that she ever gave in 2001, Mm-hmm. And uh, I just sold my business, and I wanted to focus more on my film grant. And mm-hmm. she was so brilliant. And mm-hmm. talk about clarity and mm-hmm. framework and mm-hmm. teaching instructions. She was really spot on. And um, so, and I love her her second edition to Trailer Mechanics. Mm-hmm. I need I need to get it. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's so encouraging, but she also sets a good you know, sort of puts that reality check out there and um, helps people be them be- their best selves, which is, you know, it's what I try and do as well. I have to be a bit school mommy sometimes, but <laughs> I try and I try and I try and give people like, is this really what you're trying to do? You know, what are you trying to say? And let's let's try and put it in a stronger way. Or you know, it's just it, my job is very much like being a book editor working with an author. Um, you know, it's trying to make yes. people think about their process and, yeah, um, present I it clearly. I can see that. Yeah, because it's not a formula, and I think that's what Fernanda's up against as well, is trying to say, well, yes, there are lots of variables, you know, there are lots of different factors um, that you have to make the right choice, you know, and you have to really think that through, and you have to think about, who who's receiving you know your your active communication your your um it is your baby but you have to be communicating um yeah sorry i'm getting a little bit vague now fernanda's um <laughs> she's much more practiced this is my first radio interview so i'm not very <laughs> oh but you 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 are so full of knowledge and we sincerely thank you for this uh, reaching out to help us with this because we, this is the most important thing for grant um, for people who want to apply for grants. They have mm-hmm. to have, they have to have a good grant writer. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Chicken and Egg and uh, ITVS and who else do you write for? Ooh, um there's so many. Um, uh, obviously, Sundance. Um, there's. MacArthur Foundation. Um, we're going to talk about outreach later, I think, but Fledgling Fund, you know, I, I really love writing outreach um, proposals for, for the Fledgling Fund. Uh, that's at the, the end of the whole filmmaking process. There's Catapult Film Fund, which is, um, you know, funding for development, for making that trailer, the sample that we were just talking about. Well, wait, love, wait, could you spell yeah. that one? Can you spell that name? Oh, catapult. Um, oh, catapult. Got it. Catapult. Yeah, I've got to soften the T. Catapult. Um, I love working with ITVS. I'm just a huge fan of, of PBS, and ITVS is the, the funding arm. But because that's taxpayers' money, um, you know, they're extremely careful about what they, and it's a contract you're, you're so I, I'm quite nerdy, and I really like history, and um, I love uh, projects that take us into, you know, they have these two series, Independent Lens and Point of View, 
So I I feel most at home with that funder, I think. Um, but I love them all. They're all, you know, fabulous. Um, and there are there are quite a few of them, not as many as one would wish. Right. But, um, well, um, how important is it that your film fits the mission of the funder? Because I hear people say, well, you know, it's a little different, but I think I'm going to try anyway. I'm going to put my heart in it, and then they don't win. And I I often wonder uh, if it isn't important to make sure that your film has a good chance of winning before you even put the effort out. I think that's a very good point. Um, You certainly, you know, I tell my clients, you don't want to pay me to do this. This isn't worth your while, you know. There's no point in doing this if the film is really not a good fit. Um, It's not, it's for races, you know, it's not like going after a sort of um, prize. It's, again, it's about tuning in. It's about tuning into what that funder is looking for, doing the research, MacArthur Foundation, for example, I mean, they they really want films that are not necessarily about public policy, but that are something to do that can have impact in some kind of policy area. So, like, take a film like Rich Hill, and I, you know, did did work on the MacArthur Grant with Tracy, the director. But she did, you know, she'd already done a ton of work articulating that story was fantastic, and everything about the film was fantastic. But I think we managed to say. The point about a film like Rich Hill, which is about children growing up in appalling poverty in rural America, the point is that this is a huge vacuum where we need more policies. We can't let these children fall through the gaps. And MacArthur really understood that, um, and Fledgling Fund really understood that, because they understood that this film would be so moving and so cathartic that it would actually make people think imaginatively about those kids who would otherwise be dismissed, you know, quite frankly, quite people would just say it was just white trash, you know, um, and never, ever think about these children who are here in America. Um, So, you know, I love to um, really try and speak to the funder and take the, the film and say this is what it can do. Uh, in in the media landscape uh, in in the world, um, and I think most of the funders are extremely philanthropically driven, and they are looking for films that will change hearts and minds. Um, and you're one of those funders too. Um, so you know, I think you can be quite passionate uh, as long as you're sort of spelling out in all the little boxes and areas that they give you, because they give you ample space to make your case. Yes. Um, you know, you just say, I really do think this is going to change hearts and minds. And I think when I do this outreach, it's going to bring people to the table to actually talk about this seriously. So, yeah, there are well, a lot that's... of funders and they they usually have some uh, values that you're trying to speak to. And that's not a formula. It has to have integrity. It has to come you know, from the heart. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, you can tell. Well, what I love is when people take my um, my criteria and hang their log line on it by saying, <laughs> I, I, you know, they, they bring it right back to me and say that my film fits your grant because, 
yeah. and uh, they cre- they say my log line and then tell me why their film fits it. And I think how smart of you. You have read the website. You know what I'm looking for. And yes, it does fit. And so now, talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm behind you, but you have to go a little further than this. But that's the good beginning to me. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, at first, I thought you were saying that that was too um, calculating. But no, I think that is just basic politeness, isn't it? Sort of like, yeah. I know who you are, um, here am I, and I'm speaking to you. It's not, yeah. So I think I think that, that makes absolute sense, yeah. Yes, I like that because uh, judges sometimes forget. I, you know, they'll say, well, what do you think of this film? Does it fit the criteria? Oh, uh, yes, it does. Well, okay, what's the second thing? What's the story? Uh, but so just knowing what the criteria is and coming on board with that, I always find that to be an important first step because I like to know that they've read everything on my website. I always feel more comfortable um, than with some, someone who applies and they're over the – we only take films that are under a half a million dollars because I think that with the twenty five thirty thousand that we give them, that uh, a $300,000 uh, project, this is maybe 10% of the budget, we can do some good. But once you get over a half a million, no. I mean, we're minuscule in your budget, and so I think you've got to go look at larger grants and come back to us when you're further down the road. But so a lot of people will come in with five hundred and fifty thousand or six hundred thousand dollar budget, meaning they never read the requirements. And of course, yeah. they don't like finding out after all is said and done that they they missed it because mm-hmm. of a simple thing like that. But yeah. um, I only know of the Foundation Center as a place to find good mm-hmm. grant listings. Do you, Joanna, know of any other place for people to go? Um, you know, I think Foundation Center is great. I think that um, the best, one of the best places to go to is um, PBS Point of View. I think it's called Documentary Funding Resource. Wow, good. That's good to know. Yeah, I think that helps. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, I was wondering, when you write grants, um, do you also look for small, like, family grants like ours uh, that may be um, uh, smaller but could be beneficial to the filmmaker? Yes, I I have done that. Sometimes... um, Yes, there are humanities foundations that often have a local connection to your story. Um, you know, if the issue is local and it's, say it's about, you know, one that comes to mind is about um, Tibetan women. Um, there was a project I worked on where we, we got, you know, it was a useful amount of money for the filmmaker and it was well worth applying. And to forge a foundation, uh, a relationship with a humanities foundation in your local area makes absolute sense because you're going to be using, probably reaching out to them again for outreach. Um, And so I've done that here in Texas um, with the Austin Film Society. They often fund quite small amounts, but it's very helpful because it allows the filmmaker to pay off whatever they've they've spent so far on making their sample. Um, In terms of going trawling after every single little family foundation, I think that's such a lot of work, and most of my most of my job is 
applying to the same sort of 12 funders. Um, and you can find those listed on the, on the resource that I just mentioned. Um, I think that's really the place to start. I think if you have a film that's character-driven, uh, theme-based, um, you know, that pretty much falls squarely in that, uh, the type of documentary that we see at film festivals, um, you know, I think most of the, the regular film funders, Tribeca, Harry Lorenz, ITVS, um, gosh, uh, MacArthur, Fledgling, there are about 12 of them, I think. And they all have, as you say, you need to read the small print and figure out what stage your film is at. I think the, the stage that your film is at is the key thing that drives where you're applying. If you're, what you're talking about in terms of Little Family Foundations is a very good way to go at the beginning of your filmmaking journey. Um, most of the funders are looking to swoop up um, that, you know, film that's already got a bit of a buzz. People are talking about it. You know, film is a very um, networky world, and people are often watching each other's work. Um, so some of those funders like Tribeca and Sundance and the bigger ones, the more well-known ones, they already know about the projects, you know, around the world, because uh, now it's global that they're going to fund. So with Family Foundation, to answer your question, I think it's a really good way, if you're starting out with a, a project, we did this with a project that's set in a reservation in Wyoming, and we went to a family foundation, and they had a personal interest in the reservation. And now this film is, you know, funded by um, Vision Maker Media, which is a Native American um, funder and by ITVS and it's going to be on PBS but it oh. started it started with a small family foundation so yeah how um, wonderful oh that's really good advice thank you well um, give us some tips on grant writing please well I think what you say about reading all the small prints read it through you know if you have an associate producer that's sharp get them to do it. If you're, Filmmakers are very, very busy people, and film is a very, very draining, um, you know, all-consuming um, thing to be doing. So if you can get support, either an intern or an associate producer, and just make a list of what, you're actually, what you actually qualify for and focus in on that, um, I think that's, that's the best thing you can do, really. Um, hiring a grant writer for, for the support, um, did you mean in terms of actually the the writing of the proposal, or do you mean more the sort of strategy of how to go about applying? Well, we could use some tips on writing the proposal. I think you've already given us some great tips, but maybe uh, even if you just recap those tips in mm -hmm. writing, that would be the really appreciated. Yeah, let me think. Um, so I, I, you know, number one story. I think we've covered that. I always start with the treatment. Um, I usually start by watching a rough cut or whatever the filmmaker shot um, to get a sense of style, um, the characters, and then you know I'll do a kind of um, double take. You know what? Like you, I try and put myself in the shoes of the funder. So like you. Am I feeling overwhelmed by information? You know, I'm not a lazy person. I'm somebody who can take on a lot of information. But am I actually feeling, you know, there's a barrage of information? If there is, I might gently say to the filmmaker, how about we maybe consider taking out a character or maybe consider scaling this back a little bit, making it, you know, what is the focus? 
So I think there's a whole review stage um, because I feel that my job is to be very honest, Fernanda, you know, to, to be honest about what is the actual project. Um, because it's so competitive, I never, ever want to be that just sort of service provider person that's passively saying, okay, you know, I'll just make this look really good and here we go, you know, another one down, here's my invoice. That would just be horrible. Um, so I try to be really honest and say, you know, what is this about? What else is out there? The first thing I do um, is I research the, the, the competition. What are the other films, TV programs, blogs? You know, what else is out there? Why is this film needed? Um, so I think it's the proposal writing is, is has a, there's a lot to address at the outset about just why this film. And I think that's what helps you have real integrity when you say, look at this film, it's really great, it's doing something no other film is doing, and this is how it's doing it, you know? Um, sorry, that was a little bit rambling. But I but no, sense. that's exactly <laughs> right. That's a, that's a great, a long answer to a great ending. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, tell us how people can reach you. Okay, so I have a website my name but my name is really weird um and my name i'm just gonna have to say it really slowly and spell it um it's my name is joanna rabiger and that's r-a-b-i-g-e-r and if you google me um or if you go to www.joannarabiger.com you can find me but as I say this on your radio show, I'm realizing that I have a really strange name <laughs> and um, <laughs> that it's not a, not a brand. Um, so it's R-A-B-I-G-E-R. And I'm not okay. confused with Michael Rabiger, who is my father, since everybody always asks. And he is the writer of uh, directing the documentary and I think another book on do share the same name, and that's because I am his daughter. That, that's, oh, that's my how gosh. The, that name is known in film circles to some degree. Um, but, yeah, it's not the most obvious name to Google. And he, and you grew up then around documentaries and understanding them. I did. We talked constantly. I, I actually grew up in England, and he lived in America. Um, but I did see him quite regularly, and then I actually studied at his college. Uh, he became the chair of Columbia College in Chicago, and I also ended up meeting so many of his students and working with them. So he's really fostered generations of documentary filmmakers, um, and I think he and I, I think it must be in our genes. We just share a passion <laughs> for documentary film. So, And his father was a makeup artist, um, so it just runs in the family. Oh, how wonderful! Because you really, you really have to love the business, and you have to love filmmakers because they are always under so much pressure, and they need it yesterday. And mm-hmm. and you just have to. I live with uh, Doctor Box flower remedies, and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either impatience or rescue remedy. Because mm-hmm. uh, our job is to support and nurture filmmakers. I hear that in your voice. That's what you're doing. I Yes, absolutely. I mean, they, 
nobody would make a documentary in their right mind. It's so hard. <laughs> it can it can take years of your life. It's not you know these people are not doing it for any other reason but passion. And so I try to channel that and present that and um, help people um, achieve what they want to do. And that you know it it's really really. Um, affirming it's life affirming because i i find it amazing that people in england people it's much more of a business being in documentary because we have there's a lot more funding for documentary and um you know there's a lot more documentary on television it's much more of an industry but here in america it's a it's a small it's a cottage industry and unless you are doing you know television which is uh much more like reality tv so why would anybody want to make an independent documentary well, in the first place, they're probably quite a passionate person. So, you know, it's always um, it, it's really always a pleasure to work with people who are who have that kind of passion and drive. And um, you know, it's just a, a really wonderful world to be in. Oh, it, it is. I, I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I really mm-hmm. love it. Well, I understand from your website that you do proposal writing. So when you do that for filmmakers, what is it that you need for them to send you? Such a good question. Um, I like to start with what they've already written um, to get a sense of who they are and um, how they communicate. Um, I like to see if, if it's a know much about. Um, uh, you know, I like to see some articles uh, some sense of where I can research more. Um, I really like to see um, materials that they've already shot. You know, the ideal way to write a treatment for me is to watch the rough cuts. It might take two hours, and I'll be making notes, but I'll have a really good sense of what the beginning, middle, and end of the film is. And I can also say things like, you know, is your film really about blah, 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 or are you really trying to say this? And they'll go, you know, oh, I never thought of that. Um, you know, so I think it helps to get involved in their creative process as much as possible. Um, it's just, as I say, it's not a, a formulaic thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll have, you know, I've worked in editing before, so I'm so used to things being messy. People are often very embarrassed to share rough cuts or rough scenes. And, you know, I I used to do art, you know, and I, I've seen my friends go to art school and all over the place but that's how people make art you know and it's the same for filmmakers they might just have random bits and pieces but guess what it might actually eventually with enough funding and support cohere into the most gorgeous film that changes the world so I don't mind how rough things are um, my job is to look for what this could be and um, and help it become what it's supposed to be Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, let me ask you, is it possible to translate grant proposal materials into a crowdfunding campaign? Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, I think one thing you probably know um, is that something like a log line, you know, the log line is that one sentence, you know, elevator pitch for your film. The most difficult thing in the world. (laughs) It can take hours. I mean, I often feel... You know, this is absurd. Why is it taking hours to write this? Um, I guess it's a skill that copywriters in advertising probably, you know, get very, very good at. Um, but for us in documentary, we're often trying to say very 
earnest things, you know. So when you're going into crowdfunding, you're trying to put a bit of a spin on your film and on where you're going with it. So you're using a different kind of language. And I think that you can... I, I, I think it's worth working with a copywriter as well, but I think things like, okay, if we've got a really good logline for our grant, we can probably use that in the crowdsourcing page as well. Um, and often you're trying to tell people what the point of the film is. So often in crowdsourcing, you are actually writing in some strange way about the outreach. You're sort of saying, I'm going to change the world with this film because I'm going to take it here, there, and the other. And I think people get excited by the idea that this film is going to do something, you know. So that's yes, what I would do. generally say. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more about the sizzle than about the story. I mean, sometimes people get so intent on telling it what appears to be a complicated story uh, and and in a two-and-a-half-minute uh, mm-hmm. discussion. And really, uh, what I want to know is who are you and why are you making the film and what's in it for me and what's it all about. And mm-hmm. so um, you're absolutely right in what you said. That That mm-hmm. is one way to do it. Give me the log line and then tell me more about uh, the outreach. You know, if you just jump to the outreach and say, this is what we can do with this film, how it can change the world, that's the benefit. Because I always say, what's the benefit here? Why should I fund your film? And uh, that's it's the outreach, isn't it? You go right to that. You're much safer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. You know, I think sometimes crowdsourcing is about social networks and um, people, funders are the opposite of the crowdsourcing people. Funders are a little bit jaded. They've seen so many different films. Crowdsourcing is much more about the average, you know, your aunt, your, um, you know, your neighbor, people who feel like there's a bit of a buzz um, about being involved in a film. But at the same time, professionally run uh, campaigns are, PR machines, you know, and they are, um, you know, you're getting lists uh, of journalists and you're maybe doing it in a few different languages, you know, so a really ambitious crowdsourcing um, campaign um, needs to be very, very professionally done. And that's why I don't do them, because if I did them myself, I can write for them, I can provide writing for them, but if I actually managed them, I would never do anything else. Um, They are you need a professional to do one properly, in my view. Yes, you're absolutely right. And uh, night and day, there's no stopping with one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're quite but right. But they're brilliant. They're, I mean, they're, they're fantastic. They've allowed people to get development money where it just doesn't, you know, barely exist. Um, so I'm all for them. I just think, yeah, do it properly and read a book on it and read lots of stuff on it and, and just, yeah, it's a big marketing campaign, and you need lots of lists and lots of data to make it effective. Exactly. Uh, well, while we're on uh, outreach, uh, I see that you also work with outreach campaigns. So uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, I love outreach because I really love, I think that my starting point is, you know that moment when people have just, they're sitting in a, a theater, they've just 
finished watching the film, and there's that sort of wonderful space, and uh, people are really feeling moved. Well, you know, I've seen good outreach done, and that's the space that the filmmakers sort of know how to use. That moment when everybody's very moved and they're thinking about this issue that the film's been about, they don't really know what to do. And they might sort of, you know, they might kind of have a tearful conversation uh, with their friends or their partner afterwards, but they really don't know what to do. So I think the outreach is very much about um, providing a kind of infrastructure. And when you write a grant and when you write a strategy, you're sort of saying, I'm going to kind of get hold of people at this stage when they're really opened up by a film and you know there'll be a Q&A and we'll, we'll deepen the discussion um, about the, the, the pain points um, and the issues um, we'll bring in another expert, um, we'll bring in somebody from the film and you know these campaigns these tours that go across campuses and um, you know in, in public libraries and in all these different spaces, it's very much a sort of live event. Um, And I personally, I'm so passionate about that. I think it's such a wonderful thing when outreach is really meaningful and it changes communities and it gets people connected. To me, it's very easy for me to just imagine ways in which that could take place. And I've I've been lucky enough to work with some of the most brilliant outreach people, uh, Nader Martinez, one of them, Trisha Finneran. Uh, I mean, the, these two women are um, Paula Vaccaro. Uh, uh, all three are just supreme experts in outreach, and I, you know, I was mentored by them, and so I'm able to put into my grant proposals, um, you know, I'm able to articulate what a good outreach campaign is, and of course, as DIY as we all need to be, a good outreach campaign is. It's funded. It's separately funded, and you have somebody managing it because it's it's going to be three years' work, you know, after the film is done. Um, I um, I think the fledgling fund is the best place to go. Um, lots of the funders have their own impact papers that you can download and read, and a lot of the films that I've worked on are in the fledgling fund um, paper that you can download. And that, and I think I really learned from those filmmakers. They had a very clear idea of how they were going to have impact to their film. They knew which audiences they were going to reach, and they knew how they were going to leverage some change in policy areas as well. Um, so I think it's a fascinating area, and I think it's surprising how many non-political-seeming films, again, Rich Hill would be a good example, and there are others, where it just the film just seems to be about characters, but lo and behold, if you take it into certain forums um, so moved that they actually begin talking about well something needs to be done what are we doing in this area how can we do better I think that's what a funder like MacArthur is really looking for Um, so sorry that's a bit long winded but um, well no that's what I'm looking for too I mean how are you going to get this uh, information to the people and that you're really going to have to tell me in outreach because Saying you're taking it to film festivals just doesn't do it for me. I've taught it to many of them. And I know that your audience, you know, the poor people are not there, are the people that you really want to reach, 
to make policy changes, they're not there. Where are they, and how are you going to get it there? And that you can tell me in your outreach. And uh, so I'm so glad to know you do that. And I and I also read that you're a good researcher. Mm-hmm. And and boy, people really need that uh, help mm-hmm. in researching. So um, I thank you for all this information. You've just been a wealth of information. My, all of our audience and filmmakers are going to love this. And so tell us again how we can find you. <laughs> okay, so the awkward name is Rabiger, and it's R-A-B-I-G-E-R. Now, I think it's a German name, but... Um, it's just the name uh, that I inherited, and it is Joanna Rabiger, www.joannarabiger.com. And that's my personal website, and there's a contact, how to contact me page. Um, so you can just shoot me an email through that website. Um, I think that's probably the best way of reaching me. Um Yes. Sounds marvelous. <laughs> thank you. It's such an honor to meet you, and thank you for all the work you're doing helping documentary filmmakers. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been really fun. Thank you for making it such a nice experience. Oh, great. And Claire, thanks for the show today. Yes, a pleasure as always. Thank you, Joanna. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's david, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.